Devin, is Texas back? Nah, man. <laughs> They're absolutely not back. Um, they they just continue to disappoint, and uh, we continue to overhype them, man. Devin, are we back? Of course, always. We always back, man. Welcome back to the Draft Nut Podcast. It's good to be back. I'm feeling good, feeling swole. Devin, I just got done with the workout, did arms and chest today, 10 miles on the bike, feeling good. Also voted after the game um, on Sunday, so feeling good about that. Devin, I missed you, my guy. Took a break Mr. last Chibro. week uh, from the pod. Um, need to get some papers done for my college courses and needed as much time as I could. Um, college, is, college is a struggle, my boy. I mean, shoot, those papers had me stressing all week. Thankfully, I was able to get most of them done by the time the weekend rolled around. So had most of the weekend for myself. So, Devin, have you been, my dude? Pretty good, man. Uh, I actually took a bit of a break, too. I still did my normal podcast and stuff, but uh, I took a break, a little bit of a break, probably like a week and a half of writing uh, just to just to chill a little bit. And uh, I was able to get something out uh, on Monday, uh, you know, on BlueChipScouting.com, uh, talking about a couple prospects, tight end prospects that we'll get into a little bit later. Um, but uh, I took a bit of a break from writing, too, as well, just to kind of refresh and, and you know, uh, just take a step back. And I think it did me well. Um, but, you know, college football has been exciting, man. Uh, I've been seeing some upsets and, you know, some prospects really break out. Um, so we, we definitely have a better understanding uh, you know, the QB4 race continues to be muddier and muddier every week. You know, it seemed like, you know, Kyle Trask was taken away with it. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, things are starting to change a little bit. So, uh, you know, the, the landscape is changing. Uh, we're getting Big Ten next week back. Then a couple weeks after that, the Pac-12. So we're about to be in, like, the, the peak of college football season. So I'm excited about it, man. People were saying... Uh, Saturday when we were seeing all these upsets, like this is like totally 2020. I'm like, no, this is not 2020. This is a regular college football Saturday. What are you talking about? I mean, it's like it, it felt good and felt normal to see like all these fun upsets happening. And then um, the Red River, Red River rivalry living up to the hype once again this year. Um, that game was incredible. We'll um, break that down here later on. But Devin, I didn't watch Monday Night Football last night. I was I was watching Braves Dodgers, um, seeing my Braves win Game One of the NSCS going up or being the Dodgers five to one, four runs in the ninth. They look good. They're having fun. I think they could maybe pull it off against the Dodgers, hopefully, but we'll have to wait and see. So since I wasn't able to really watch the game last night or the Saints-Chargers game last night, give me a breakdown of what happened last night because it looked absolutely wild from what I was seeing on the timeline. Yeah, so basically uh, Justin Herbert is legit, man. Um, I think you can say that in a nutshell. Uh, he was he was commanding the offense and they were a twenty to three at one point. Uh, they looked like they were going to blow the Saints out on Monday Night Football. Uh, it just wasn't looking great. 
you know, and then uh, Drew Brees kind of got out of his funk. Again, he started off the game rough, looked bad. You know, at one point it was like 5 for 12, 32 yards in the interception. Um, so he looked very inaccurate early and, and just uncomfortable. Um, and, I mean, some of it was due to the Chargers defense, but he was just missing throws once again. Uh, but right before the half, he scored a touchdown uh, to pull it within 20 to 10. And, uh, you know, the Saints' second half defense was a lot better. Uh, they really started to clamp down on the Chargers' offense, slowly started to climb back into the game, um, you know, kicked the field goal, and then, like, midway through the four, tied the game up. Uh, and the Chargers did have a chance to win, though. Uh, they went down and scored uh, after a Mike Williams bomb touchdown where the Saints just blew the coverage. Saints came back. Uh, Kamara had a big catch on the sideline uh, with about a minute and a half to go. Uh, he, like, tipped it to himself. Uh, it was kind of insane. Then they went down and scored. And then the Chargers should have won the game. Uh, Mike Williams once again came up huge. Uh, absolutely uh, mossed over Lattimore. Had him in field goal range. I think it was like a 50-yard kick or something like that. Uh, but he doinked it off the, the upright. And then Saints went to overtime. Uh, drove down, kicked the field goal, and then on fourth and, I want to say, like six, uh, Mike Williams had the ball, but Lattimore stopped him short. So it was a thrilling game. It was a game, as a Saints fan, you should get used to because they don't like to win blowout games. They like to win close games. Uh, but overall, I would say the defense played a lot better. Um, they got Marcus Davenport finally to play this year, and he made an impact. Um, Lattimore has to play a lot better, man. Once again, he gave us some big plays in this game again. Uh, Cam Jordan played really well. Um, Demario Davis played well as well. He, he's played well every game this season. Uh, and, you know, something I'm going to talk about a little bit later. The Saints have a big need at safety, man. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins is done. He's washed. Um, he's, he's messing up plays and, and busting coverages. And then Marcus Williams, man, he just won't turn around and look for the ball. Uh, the the first touchdown that Herbert threw, which he did a great job, you know, scrambling outside of the pocket and finding Keaton Allen, uh, the ball's a little bit behind Allen and right in front of Marcus Williams' face. You know, if he would have turned back and, and looked at the ball, it could have been an interception for the Saints. So I, 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 I really love Marcus Williams' rookie year. He had a really good season up until the Minnesota Miracle, and then after that, he just has not played up to standard, man. Uh, and it's discouraging as a Saints fan. We shouldn't have as much busted coverages as we do, but the safeties are just not doing their job right now, which is why I made a tweet last night. We need we need to be in the market for a safety. Um, I you know, whether it's second or third round pick, we got to go up their safety like Cisco, uh, Nasruddin uh, from Florida State. Like we need we need a safety, man. Um, that was my, those my biggest takeaways. Uh, Drew Brees played a lot better second half, but I still think at some point James Winston is going to enter the game at some point this season. Don't they have Chauncey Gardner Johnson or CJ Gardner Johnson? Yeah, but he's playing more of a nickel, like in oh. the box role. He's not really like the, like last year they had him covering, trying to cover tight ends and stuff like that. And this year is trying, they're trying to use Malcolm Jenkins and he's really not doing the job. So Demario Davis has to cover tight ends now, you know, Jeez. and it, it's just not great coverage wise. Uh, we need better personnel on the back end, man. 
Simple, simply put. I think at this point, I mean, when thinking of Chauncey Garner Johnson, just thinking about like how he was the pre-draft process, I had him as a first round grade and like his versatility was going to be very, very unique for many teams. And like, you know, Carolina, man, they had a chance at getting him at pick 100 that year. They could have had him instead of Will Greer, Will Greer, but you know, it is what it is. Chauncey or CJ Gardner Johnson, I think could beat the future on the back end at safety for New Orleans. It's, but again, he, he's so versatile. He's got that athletic ability. He's got the technique to play in the nickel, play deep, play in the box. He's got, he's got it all. And, you know, that's going to be your guy for the future on the back end. I don't know if Marcus Williams or Malcolm Jenkins are going to be getting it done anytime soon. And from the games I've seen of Marcus Williams this year, he he's shown flashes, but it's been it's been inconsistent. So the same, you know, the the Saints have got they've got to figure out what to do next because that game last night probably didn't help their chances at all for potential Super Bowl. And this is a team that in the preseason we all thought, hey, this is a Super Bowl favorite. They have one of the deepest rosters in the NFL. Now that they don't look that great. I mean, they're still a really good, solid football team overall, but they're not as good as we were expecting. And I think when you think of Drew Brees, it's just not looking good at all. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is that we can't expect him to win the game anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, he he can be a complimentary piece, but – you really have to have some sort of a balanced offense for the Saints to be successful. He's become a game manager, I think. And, like, over the last few years, he's become a game manager. And when the Saints finally started to win football games back in 2017, I believe, 2016, 2017, like, like Breeze ended up going into more of a game manager role despite just – Still playing well, still playing at a high level, but last year or throughout the season last year and into the year this year, he's really fallen off in terms of arm talent and just being a good quarterback overall. I don't even know if he's a top 10 quarterback anymore. I don't, he might have fallen off all the way to being just outside the top 15 of quarterbacks in the NFL. Like it's gotten that bad and you have you, you gotta start Winston at some point. You gotta play Winston and Sean Payton. Please stop putting Taysom Taysom Hill in the game when the Saints are in rhythm. Christ, man! Like it when you're on a roll, when you're in rhythm on offense, you don't go away from that rhythm. You keep it going. You go downfield and score. You don't put Taysom Hill at quarterback. Let him do something funky. No, like, I, Saints are a mess, man. I, I, they really need to pull Brock Osweiler at some point and just go with Winston the rest of the way 
because they're not getting anything downfield. And now, granted, they probably were missing Michael Thomas a little bit um, last night. But, you know, I mean, they still won the game, but they could have easily been blown out. It's just the Chargers, the injuries were caught up to them, and, like, they were being the Chargers, blowing leads. Um and yeah, the thing the thing is, like, I'm not really that happy about the game is because the Chargers are in developmental mode, man. I know they played every, like, the Bucks close and the Chiefs close, but for the Saints, I mean, that wasn't really a great performance. Like, you literally got bailed out because they stopped attacking down the field, um, That's which is basically what happened in the second half. They got more conservative, and uh, you got to give credit to the Saints defense making adjustments. They were finally over the top. Uh, they still blew a coverage in the fourth quarter, but you know, for the most part, they were they made adjustments, and that's what you need to do. Uh, and you know, the Chargers didn't make the necessary adjust- adjustments they needed to make. Um, but yeah, like I tweeted last night, man, it's an evergreen evergreen tweet. Every week, I'm gonna say, stop putting Taysom Hill in the game, man, because like twice in that game, like he scored on that touchdown at in the fourth quarter, but. Like in overtime, it was what second down, I think yeah. third down maybe. I, I and watched, they, I watched the overtime when after yeah. the break came ended. I was just like, why? Yeah, why? and then they threw they threw him in the game in in a crucial second down when the Saints were in the red zone. So it was just like, I just, it just doesn't make sense, man. I don't know what they see in film that shows what what he's doing. I I just don't know, man. I don't know what Sean Payton's agenda is. I don't know if he's trying to prove to the league that. Oh, he can be a quarterback, but every time he gets the ball, he runs it. I mean, he's not throwing the ball. Like, he he can dial up the best plays he can, but if he decides not to throw the ball, then he looks stupid. <laughs> I mean, I just, it just I just don't get it, man. Like, he, like at first, you he, know, it was nice. It was a nice wrinkle, but now it's like, it's, it's getting a, annoying. It's getting yeah. annoying, man. It's getting annoying. Um, The fact that he's getting paid more to play quarterback or like a gadget role type player than Jameis Winston and I'll even mention Cam Newton for a fact like they're both getting paid like minimal salaries and they paid Jason Hill a big contract in the offseason for someone that's not really a quarterback he's more of a gadget player and if you're going to use him as a gadget player Make him a wide receiver. Make him a running back. Like, you don't have to keep him – you don't have to have him as the number two or number three quarterback. It's not necessary for how they use him. It's just ridiculous. And so, I don't know. Like it, like you said, and I'm with you, it, it's really annoying that they're – the way they use Taysom Hill. So, I, I'm just done at this point with – the Saints, like, come on, man. Be better. Peyton's better than this. Like, I don't know. So, I'll go ahead and tweet now. Start, hashtag start Jameis Winston. I'm going to do it right here. Because I think it's time to start him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just like, we shouldn't be at the brink every single game of, Drew Brees nearly getting benched, and then he decides to throw the ball down the field. Like, the only thing that saved him last night from being benched, in my opinion, is the two-minute drill he ran at the end of the half that the Chargers were playing incredibly soft defense, 
and he just went right down the field and scored a touchdown before the half ended. Uh, before that, he sh- he should have got benched because it was twenty to three at that point. The offense wasn't moving. He wasn't converting first downs. Um, it was just all bad, man. And it just seems like every game we're at the verge of him like just jumping off the bandwagon. And then he just makes some this last ditch effort, and then he starts to move the ball. Like I, it just not, it's not gonna work against like a Chiefs team, like or the Bucks later in the season. Like if you go down twenty to three to the Bucks, you're probably going to lose the game. Yeah. Or or the Chiefs or you know the Seahawks or anybody else in the NFC. So it's like we can't continue to play from behind and have slow starts. Like if he's not getting a job done in the first five six drives, why are we keep trying him out there? It just it just doesn't make sense, man. Like I get that I get that he's a Hall of Famer. I get that he has the legacy. You know, you don't want to bench your Hall of Fame quarterback, but you, you got to open up the playbook, man. We we can't keep throwing these crossing routes, you know, these deep ends. You know, can't expect the defense to play, you know, zone defense the entire game. Because if a really talented def- defense goes man defense and you have to force Breeze to make the perfect throw, nine times out of ten, he's probably throwing – he's he's not probably not hitting the window, man. So I, I just – there's nothing to be happy about from last night. Look, I'm, I'm like Sean Payton as a head coach. Like he's easily one of the better coach. He's easily one of the top five coaches in the entire NFL. And from a play calling standpoint, he's terrific. But the decision making he's had lately with like putting Taysom Hill in and like some other things, like it's just it's weird. Like this is not the same team we're used to. And I think it's time that. Like, no one – well, I'm thinking back to the 2015 Broncos when um, Osweiler ended up starting over Peyton because Peyton threw five picks in the game that I think he had the all-time passing yards mark. Um, and so, like, it's – I feel like we're going to end up seeing a game where we see Breeze just play his worst game ever because his arm talent is just gone. He will probably have a Peyton Manning-like game soon, and then that's the trigger of, like, okay, we got to start Jameis. If they start Taysom Hill at quarterback, I'm done. I'm done. You should be done with the Saints, too. I mean, at that point, that's ridiculous. So, I don't know, man. And looking at the schedule, it's – and just looking at the same schedule, they play a 3-2 Panthers team in a couple weeks, maybe a 3-3 Panthers team, depending on how well Carolina does next week. And that brings me to Carolina from this this weekend. Devin, the Panthers are 3-2. You know I said three weeks ago this team should be 0-2. To start the year, well, they pulled off three straight wins, to my surprise, and they're playing good football. They're playing tough, physical, competitive football. They're not going to blow up the stat sheets. They're not going to blow up the box score, but their offense looks good. And I saw someone saying, oh, the Panthers are doing better without McCaffrey because they're 3-0 with the Mike Davis. Look, I don't think they, I don't think 
even with McCaffrey, I think they they probably would have gone on this winning streak without McCaffrey. And it it just goes to show how talented that running back room is. Mike Davis is a good running back. He's a really good running back. And then McCaffrey, he could even be playing this weekend. Like if he's good to go, if his if he once he's testing out that ankle this week and he and Rule and the medical staff and McCaffrey, they feel like the three of them feel like he's good to go. He'll probably play a limited amount of snaps, but he'll play. And that that's like a big danger for a lot of teams over over the next um several weeks because you look at this offense, Teddy Bridgewater's playing good football. Robbie Anderson's become Carolina's number one receiver. DJ Moore's playing, starting to play well again. Curtis Samuel's starting to get touches. They haven't really gone to the tight ends much, but I think this is a little bit to how LSU ran their offense. They didn't go to the tight end much, but when they did, they got big yardage out of it. So just looking over at this roster, the only way they're getting pressure defensively is from Brian Burns. He left the game, excuse me, he left the game last week um, or Sunday because of a concussion or I don't know what the injury was. His brother tweeted out, hey, Burns didn't have any sort of injury. He, they're just leaving out, leaving, leaving him out of the game for precautionary reasons. So I understand that you take out your best defensive player for the game. I get it. Um, but Burns is the only Burns and Jeremy Chin are the only two really good players on that defense. Chin has turned into he he's reminding me a lot of of um, Thomas Davis when he was coming out of Georgia. He former safety now playing at linebacker playing everywhere. Davis was doing the same thing. Thomas Davis is was Jeremy Chin before Jeremy Chin came along. 10, 15 years later. So looking at this team, looking at their schedule and how tough and competitive they are, there's a chance with the Bears offensively, they're not great, but they could end up having a good game against that Panthers secondary. And Carolina was giving up a lot of yardage on the ground to Todd Gurley. Gurley had a breakout game looking like his old self. Looking at the schedule, if they can beat the, if they can beat the Bears, which is going to be tough because that defense is legit and they're probably one of the top three defenses in the NFL. If they can beat the if they can beat the Bears. They'll be playing the Saints at four and two, four wins in a row. Same start as it was last year. We I've seen this before as a Panthers fan. You start four and two, losing your first two games, but then winning your next four. And then you go downhill from there. The Panthers haven't even hit their tough stretch yet. They have yet to play the Chiefs or the Packers or any of those teams. So if they go into New Orleans and beat, or I think they're hosting New Orleans, if I remember correctly. Are they hosting New Orleans? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Saints are now coming off two straight home games, so I would expect them to, well, not two two straight home games, but I think they're I think they're going to Carolina. Yeah, that, that's what I thought. Like, if you can lead New Orleans, if you go into, if you hosting New Orleans, you're able to beat New Orleans at home, you'll be five and two. 
maybe even tied for the division lead unless what – or even in the division lead. Like, I'm not ready to say the Panthers are good because we – I want to see how they do against the Saints and the Bears. Like, those are the teams that you really – like, I'm not very optimistic about. But still, being 3-2 and two when a lot of people thought you would be in the same position as the Falcons were without, like, having – your GM or your head coach on the hot seat. Like, Panthers are in a good place. Matt Rule has done a great job. Joe Brady's done a great job. Phil Snow has done a good job. This is a really nice Panther ball club right now. Tied for the division lead with the Saints and the Buccaneers. But I, I'd take the Buccaneers over the Saints and the Panthers or whoever you know, with the division tie right now. But, yeah, man, I, I'm I'm – Excited right up for my Panthers. Tied for the division in the NFC South, something I never even expected this season. I didn't even expect them to be having a winning record at any point this season. And I'll go back to what I said three weeks ago before the Chargers game. I thought this team wasn't going to be doing well because after the, after the Tampa Bay game, I was like, this team's not going to re, this team's going to slowly like get going. It probably won't be until later in the season until they actually start winning games. They're three and two. They have a winning record. Like this is crazy. And the Panthers defense, they're still in the bottom of the league in terms of like plenty of categories like yards per game, rushing yards per game, passing yards per game. Like they're, they're not great. But they have players that really energize that defense, and they make enough plays defensively to look like, hey, this is a very tough defense. Like, you give them one play, you give the Panthers' defense a play to take advantage of, that Panthers' offense could easily go drive downfield and score. So, you know, again, excited for my Panthers, but not so excited for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Sunday, right after the game, the Falcons fired Dan Quinn and their GM, Thomas Dimitra. I was surprised they fired Dimitra because he's a really solid general manager. I think he's one of the better decision makers in the industry. But now Quinn and Dimitra, they're, they're on the market. Falcons are 0-5. They have talent on both sides of the ball, but they just can't seem to find a way to win games. They can't. Is this a legitimately bad football team, or can they get back on track and avoid picking in the top five in the NFL draft, Devin? Uh, they're going to make some significant changes. I just think that, uh, you know, per, you know, personnel-wise, offensively, they're fine. Um, they don't really need to change their offense too, too much. Uh, they got to figure out a balance between, you know, being conservative and, you know, really attacking the ball down the field. And I also expect uh, Steve Sarkeesian to probably be gone, too, uh, depending on who gets hired as the next, you know, head coach. Uh, I think he's played a part in their issues um, when they can't, you know, hold on to late leads. His play calling hasn't been great. Um, so I, I don't know if the team is, you know, built to currently, even with a new coach, to automatically turn things around. I think they're still probably a borderline 500 club uh, just based on their defense. Um, you know, the defense still isn't great. They have some missing pieces there. Um, but 
they definitely needed a new voice. I was surprised that, you know, the GM also was fired. Uh, I thought he did a solid job with the Falcons building that roster. Um, you know, obviously they need pass rushers. Um, I think that's a, a very apparent, you know, they're, they're trying to get, you know, some, uh, play out of Dante Fowler. They held on to Vic Beasley way too long. Uh, someone that underperformed, uh, consistently, uh, every season. And, uh, you know, Grady Jarrett was really the best player on that defensive line. So they need to make some upgrades on that defensive line. Uh, linebackers, Deion Jones is still solid, but, uh, you know, the other couple linebackers need to, need to improve. And then secondary wise, they gotta have a new safety. Uh, them like the Saints, they need a playmaking safety. Uh, you know, the Panthers went out and got Jeremy Chin and it's looked really, really good for the Panthers thus far. Uh, they, they got some playmakers on the back end. Um, the Saints and Falcons both need that. And, uh, I think that, you know, the Falcons need to improve their defense, defense dramatically or have some sort of calling card. I just feel like right now they have a few good players, but overall they're just not a very good defense. Um, so, you know, Dan Quinn being fired was way overdue. Should have been fired weeks ago. Probably should have fired, been fired after the Cowboys game. Um, but, you know, here we are, you know, five weeks into the season and finally decided to fire him. So Falcons fans should feel relieved. We'll see who they get. Uh, obviously, Eric Bieniemy is uh, one of the top options people are looking to. Uh, but don't sleep on the um, the Bills offensive corner, Brian Dabble. Uh, he's someone that will probably get a head coaching job here soon, uh, if not this offseason. Um, and teams will be really interested in him as well. So. I think that, you know, the Falcons have a long way to go uh, in terms of their defense, but their offense is set up for success right now. You know, they can bring in the enemy and, and that offense is a well to machine. But now they got to bring in a very capable defensive minded coach that will bring the best out. And maybe they bring in Wade Phillips, you know, maybe they bring in someone like that to, to help retool that defense. But we'll see now. I'm with you on like they really need to do some retooling. Um, defensively. Um, but I don't think Atlanta gets a top five pick. I think with Dan Quinn gone, um, this could maybe even help the Falcons out. You know, I think they can easily win football games and they've shown like they have had big leads, but they've been unable to hold them. Um, they, they just have to finish better and play more competitive than they have. I don't think this is a team that needs to be blown up per se, but like I said, I I think they definitely need some retooling, especially on the defensive side. Um, we'll just have to see what they do at GM and head coach. Um, if they do end up with a top five pick or even the first pick, I don't see, I don't really see them moving on from Matt Ryan or Julio Jones like some people have been suggesting, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did. Trevor Lawrence should be the first pick if he was to sit and if he was sit if he has to sit behind Matt Ryan for a year, so be it. Like, I have no problems with that. But if they don't have the number one pick and they're still picking the top five, you go Fields or Lance and let let both of them sit behind Matt Ryan. But Eric Robinson, a good friend of the pod and um, someone we're close to, he he was pointing out on Twitter last night, like, the amount of deck cap that the Falcons would have to absorb if they were to cut Matt Ryan would be insane. It's like 
48 point something million. Like, I'd have to check it up, but man, I don't see the Falcons cutting Matt Ryan or Julio Jones. I don't think there's a need to. And I get, like, Matt Ryan's not getting any younger, and but yet he's still playing at a pretty high level. He's still a good quarterback. Julio Jones, when he's healthy, he's still arguably the best receiver in the game. So I think you need to keep those two pieces offensively. Keep Calvin Ridley as well. That offensive line ain't that bad. And Tom Gurley's starting to really come back on as a top running back in the NFL. Like he's looking really, really good and played well against Carolina. But granted, Carolina's defense isn't that great against the run either way. But, um, I, I just don't see Atlanta being a top five pick team, even though they've started five, oh, and five. I'd say they probably win five or six more games at least. I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled off seven more wins throughout the rest of the year. But I think if Atlanta's picking outside the top five, you go best non-QB available, and they could go so many directions, corner, safety, linebacker, defensive line, pass rusher, offensive line, Hell, even add more to the receiving corps, add more to the tight end group. Go Kyle Pitts in Atlanta. Oh, you get Pitts and Julio. Hey, man, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Or Pat Fryermuth or Revan Jordan. I'm just, I love giving you a hard time, Devin. Hey, man, look, as a Panthers fan, I wouldn't really, I don't really care. I don't because listen, I'm man. I seem to be listen. bad. The Saints already struggle with defending tight ends, so I, I just don't want to see it. I just don't. The day will come, my friend. The day will come. All right, Devin. Let's talk about some of the college football action from Saturday. Um, you can go first. What games did you watch, and what or who were you impressed with the most from Saturday? Um, so first off, you know, I, I wasn't watching an LSU game, but I was keeping an eye on it. But the first person that should definitely talk about is Terrace Marshall. Uh, he's continued to break out and, and be that, uh, that top option at receiver that LSU, uh, has been looking for him to be, you know, with Jamal and Jefferson both gone. Uh, so he, he's definitely breaking out and, and, you know, really making a name for himself in a extremely deep receiver class that we have this year. Um, so I think that he could potentially be top 10, maybe even top five by the season's end if he continues to play well. Uh, obviously they got guys like Bateman, Rondo Moore, uh, gonna be an action next weekend. Uh, not this weekend, but, uh, you know, he's, he's really making a name for himself. So I watched, you know, some of that game, uh, to, to see what was going on. And then obviously I watched the Florida and Texas A&M game. Uh, obviously Kyle Trask. And, you know, what he was doing, Kyle Pitts continued to play well, even though he didn't get the ball really in the second half. He was still dominating in the first half. Um, so it can't really be at his fault. You know, Texas A&M made some adjustments to make sure that they he didn't beat them the entire game. Um, you know, Kyle Trask played OK. Um, you know, he, he made some good throws in the first half, but second half he was a bit off, you know, had missed some throws. Um, you know, tried to, you know, scramble out of the pocket, really not his thing. Uh, Florida kept running him with the ball for some reason. 
um, which I, I don't really agree with. I don't think that's part of his game. Uh, but a really uh, pleasant surprise was Kellen Mond. Uh, he really, really played well, probably his best collegiate game. And he's, he's, uh, like, um, like they said on Twitter, you know, he's going to be an incredibly tough evaluation just because he has some traits. You know, he looks good in some games, but some games he doesn't. So, you know, you just never know what you're going to get from Kellen Mond. Um, but he looked good as well. Uh, Isaiah Spiller looked good, even though he's only a sophomore and he'll be eligible for next year, but he's someone to keep an eye out for next year. Um, and then, some of the other games, I gotta pull it up here. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, the Florida A&M game was was a game to watch. Uh, Tennessee, you know, Georgia. Tennessee, Georgia. I watched that at three thirty. Uh, I was not impressed with either offensive line. Uh, Trey Smith was disappointing. Cade Mays disappointing. Uh, even Georgia's offensive line was disappointing. Ben Cleveland, some of those other guys. Uh, they really didn't get uh, any great push in that first half running the ball. Um, but defensively for Georgia, uh, Eric Stokes, he's he's a beast, man. Uh, he's rising up draft boards. Um, you know, uh, Monty Rice made some big plays. Uh, Richard LeCount continues to play well. Uh, I think his name is kind of flying under the radar because of the corners. You know, Tyson Campbell and uh, Eric Stokes, both of them, you know, really standing out. That Georgia uh, pass rusher. Yeah. Yeah, That's he man. Yeah, he he was really uh showcasing some bend and and power. Uh he was pushing Cade Mays back and bullying him. So, uh, Georgia really has some really good defensive players. Uh Garantano, uh he needs to be done, man. Uh he's he's holding back Tennessee's offense and uh is as apparent as ever. Uh not draftable at this point UDFA at this point. Uh there there's really not much hope for his future, I don't believe. Obviously, Zach Wilson continued to dazzle uh, draft Twitter, uh, made some incredible throws on Saturday. Uh, shout out to Dante Colinelli for getting that train rolling. Brock Purdy played a little bit better. Um, he's starting to play a little bit better as well for Iowa State. Um, I think he's probably still in that third, fourth round range at this point. Um, I think he, after that that opening you know, season loss, you know, he really took a while to bounce back from that, and he hasn't played what we expected him to play as. Uh, Arkansas got robbed. Uh, they should have won that game against Auburn. That was a very controversial call. Uh, Arkansas deserved to win that game. Felipe Franks has played really well. That's um, oh, my yeah. goodness, dude. I saw someone say, someone comparing him to DK Metcalf. I'm like, mm, I don't think he's that. No. Nah. No, he, he, he's this, really struggled. Someone said he um, has watched every game of his career. I'm like, really? I think that's a load of BS, but that's just me. Carry on. <laughs> then obviously the Nightcaps, Travis Etienne, man, uh, he's special. Uh, he has a, com- I think he has probably one of the best bursts in uh, in this draft class uh, in terms of any position. Uh, obviously, Jalen Waddle was up there as well and, and, you know, Rondell Moore. But his burst once he gets past the second level is insane. Uh, it's just uh, incredibly insane that he can turn into a, a whole nother level. Um, and he just takes off. It's crazy. 
uh, he right now he has a great case for RB one at this point. Obviously, the very next game, Najee Harris had a heck of a game too. Had five touchdowns, two hundred yards rushing. Um, and you know he he looked really good. Um, so the the running back class, you know, at the top, it looks really good. Uh, and then Ole Miss, man, uh, their offense really was buzzing against Alabama. You know, you didn't really expect to see that. Uh, but Lane Kiffin is really, really has those boys playing there. So I, I didn't really watch, well, I watched the end of LSU Missouri and like I was very like so confused with the play calling at the goal line at the end of the game. Why would you have that that's a goal line package. You need to get everyone all crammed together, push the guy through. I don't like the idea of going from shotgun to at the goal line in their in LSU's goal line package supposedly. And I you know, some of the some of the clips I've seen of Brennan, like he looked he threw some nice balls, but I also saw some criticism like he didn't look that too he didn't look too great. So that that's kind of disappointing to hear from other people. But, you know, we got to go back and watch the tape when once all 22 starts coming out. Um, and, yeah, that was one of the things that bugged me the most was that play calling at the end of the game from LSU was just horrific. Like, I didn't – like, so much time was wasted on the clock. And it was really annoying. Shout out to Nick Bolton, one of our favorites, making a play um, at the goal line. I think Brennan was trying to throw a quick out to, I think it was Marshall, and Bolton just came flying through and knocked the pass down and forced a fourth down. Um, so clutch play there from Nick Bolton. I ended up watching Oklahoma, Texas. That was a wild game. Um, Spencer Rattler. Did not look good to start out. He got benched um, and then came back in the second half. Then played a lot better in the second half. He looked a lot. He was calm. He was more confident in the pocket. He was making the right decisions. He did throw some risky balls, but he he did look good overall to end the game. Um, made some crucial first down runs. Um, like... Early on, it, it looked like it was going to be a defensive-sided game, to my surprise, because both Texas and Oklahoma are not good defenses at all. And that ended up showing either way um, during overtime. Like, both same. I think Sam Ellinger, he had six total touchdowns. Insane. Very insane for a future tight end in the NFL or future fullback. But that's another conversation. But I, you know, Oklahoma's offense looked back to normal, looking good. Spencer Rattler really started to tighten things up in the second half. Uh, really impressed. I hope he keeps that going. Um, you know, I think turn, we're going to be seeing a lot more turnovers for Rattler throughout the season. Um, I think that's just going to be the growing pains. There will be some criticism um, during the summer when we're doing the 2022 summer evals, and there'll be criticism like he just can't help himself from turning the ball over. Um, But, you know, that's a young quarterback who's 
playing his first starts in college football, um, taking over for a great quarterback in Jalen Hurts, a great college quarterback in Jalen Hurts, um, who was then preceded by Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield and other talented quarterbacks from Oklahoma. So, you know, I'm going to give Rattler a pass. I'm not going to give up on him at all because he's got all the talent in the world. It's just like from the neck up, he's just got to get it better. It's got to get better. Um, but, you know, it was good to see him look calm, confident in the pocket um, after a really bad first half. That fumble in the first half was big yikes, big, big yikes. I, I did not like that. Um, but big win for Oklahoma. Texas is going to be unranked, but I think Oklahoma will be back at the top 25. I think they are. Are they back in the top 25? No, I don't think they put them back in. Oh, jeez. Well, then, uh, so right now in the Big 12, you got Oklahoma State and Kansas State tied for first in conference play. But big news coming out from Kansas State yesterday, um, Skyler Thompson is out for the season. That's a big blow for Kansas State and their hopes of potentially winning the Big 12 title. So... We won't be seeing Skyler Tom or yeah Skyler Thompson play rest of the season, of course, due to injury. Um, hopefully, we get to see him next year. Um, but I think this is Oklahoma State's the, um, conference to lose now. Um, they're on a roll. Uh, they haven't lost a game yet. Um, I'm really excited to see what happens. Um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State is going to be a good good football game. That's going to be a really fun football game to watch. That could decide who ends up going to the conference championship. So we'll just have to wait and see. Um, another game I watched, of course, Georgia-Tennessee. Uh, very impressed with Georgia's defense. They're still the top defense in the entire country, in my opinion. That secondary is really, really good. Eric Stokes looking great. Um, his stock is on the rise. Tyson Campbell, a little inconsistent, but still showed um, or flashed the traits that have intrigued a lot of people, um, including Jordan Reed of the Draft Network. Um, trying to think what else. Georgia's pass rusher, can't really pronounce his name, um, showed really good natural bend, um, some pass rush proudness um, off the edge. Um, so it was really nice to see that. Monte Rice playing a good game. Jordan Davis looked good as well. Um, you know, I want to bring up George uh, Pickens for a second because – what he did, what he did to Guantanamo, uh, is that his name? Garantano. It's what? Garantano. Garantano. Um, Jerry Garantano um, got knocked out of bounds, and then uh, George Pinkins on the sideline had a water ball and started spraying him down. I'm like, Pinkins, you are one. Come on, man. Like. You got to be more mature than that. And I've heard stuff like he, he's always been like this. He's always had he's had his immature moments throughout his time at Georgia. So I think that's something that's going to be need to be brought up during the summer scouting um, during, while we're doing summer evals because that could play a factor into his draft stock come 2022. But you know, I'm not going to really harp on it that bad. But it's something to monitor. But Pickens is still a really talented football player. Stenson Bennett, he, he looked good um, in short, intermediate range. 
I still would rather have JT Daniels, but I think right now they had to stick with Bennett because he's he's he has the hot hand right now, and he's going to be going up against Alabama's defense next week, which isn't isn't that great. So Georgia's offense they look really solid. Setson Bennett looks really solid. Run game looks good with James Cook and um, Samir White. Um, so really impressed with Georgia. They're still one of the top teams in the country. They got a heavyweight matchup with Alabama next weekend, which we'll break down on um, the next episode of the podcast. Really excited about that game. Um, I have a take about that game that I'm going to save for the next episode. So um, get ready for that. But overall, Georgia, their defense, still elite. I think they can go toe-to-toe with Alabama, so we'll just have to wait and see um, on Saturday. Another, another, The next two games I ended up watching uh, Saturday night were Clemson, Miami, and Alabama, Ole Miss. Clemson looked like Clemson, but, like, you can tell they're not just – like, they're not, like, starting out slow like they usually do, but winning football games – like no tomorrow, they they have their foot on the floor, on the they have their foot on the gas pedal, gas pedal which is on the floor. I mean they're rolling right now. Defense looks good. That secondary is nice, really really nice. Um, of course you got Dorian Kendrick back there, but also you got sophomores um, Andrew Booth and um, Shaden Jones, I believe. Um, that's like all three of them were making plays all night long. Um, I think that's one of the more underrated secondaries in the entire country. Like that could be one of the best secondaries in the ent- entire country overall. Like it's a good group of guys. You also got potential senior bowl guy, Nolan Turner back there as well. Um, Clemson's defensive line is really, really good. Again, Miles Murphy, the freshman, like, Six four two seventy five, and he is just—he looks like he could be pro ready tomorrow. Like he's that good. And um, Branson Reese, I believe, he man, that's another dude up front, and that's going to be another future NFL talent. Clemson has their Farrell, Lawrence, Wilkins, Bryant for the next few years. And once Xavier Thomas starts getting back going, hopefully soon, then, and if Thomas can get, um, get rolling once he's back on the field, that's going to be a very nasty, um, defensive line. Trevor Lawrence, as good as ever, still perfect, still the quarterback he was. He was playing with a fire lit on his ass, man. Like he was rolling. Especially late in the game when he got drilled in the stomach, got their breath knocked out of him. He was down for a couple minutes, got back up, and then afterwards he was starting to talk trash to Miami all game long. Like when he scored that rushing touchdown, he was getting the face of some Miami players. I was like, okay, Trevor, I see some fire in you, okay. And then I see um, Dabo drilling Trevor Lawrence on the sideline. I'm like, that's that rarely has happened throughout Lawrence's career is that Dabo has to calm Trevor down because he's so fired up. Like I've not seen Trevor Lawrence that fired up before that game lit a fire under his butt. Like 
that that was the game where I was like, yeah, this guy's probably going to end up winning the Heisman. Like, he's been the favorite for the start of the season. I don't think he's going to let that go, and I think he ends up winning the Heisman. I really do. And then you look at Travis Etienne, and you're like, that's Alvin Kamara and Chris John Chris Johnson combined. Like, that's a rare running back right there with his speed, his contact balance. His vision has improved as a running back. He is adding a lot of value as a pass-catching back. Um, I believe he had like over 80 yards receiving um, and over five catches on the day against Miami. Like he had a great performance. He had that long touchdown run um, down the sideline. You know, I he's probably my top running back right now, just slightly over Najee Harris. But of course, we can't forget about Kenneth Gainwell, who did opt out before the season. Um, so you got three running backs that are going to be really good at the next level. Um, Miami wasn't that impressive. Um, Bubba, Bubba Bolden looked good. Um, I was impressed with Bolden. He, he blocked a couple kicks, um, making plays in coverage, coming downhill. He's an underage safety that could really have a rise during the offseason, during the draft process, process if he declares. So Bolden looks good. Um, Quincy Roche looked all right. Um, Jalen Phillips looked Pretty solid. Um, De'Ara King did not have a great game. He did not. And I was hoping Miami would at least make it competitive. Um, but their only big plays were like that blocked field goal they took back for a touchdown to end the half, and that was about it. So, And also they scored later in the game, but Clemson was already up like 42-17, so it really didn't matter at that point. But – Clemson showed that they are still the best team in college football right now. Um, up until Ohio State starts playing again and they'll probably end up taking that number one spot once they're back going. But Clemson should be one of the big favorites to win it all this year. I mean, they got the talent. They're rolling right now. They just be a top 10 team and they'll be playing Notre Dame here later on the season. Um, they'll probably end up playing some other ranked teams, maybe Boston College. That could be a game to watch. Uh, so re- Clemson's actually going to have a much tougher schedule than they have in years past, but their talent has is a lot better than it was last year. So I'm excited to see what happens with Clemson. Um, and, you know, Trevor Lawrence continues to make his case as the number one pick for the 2021 draft. Ole Miss, Alabama – I do not like Bama's defense at all outside of a few players like Patrick Sertan, Dylan Moses, Christian Barmore. That's about him. They're insanely talented freshman Will Anderson, and that's about it. Their their defense overall just not look good. What Nick Saban values as a coach is great defensive play, and their defense has not been great the last few weeks, and that's very concerning. And there were – Times when the camera went to Nick Saban and he was in a rage, like an understandably so. Like, I don't remember Alabama's defense being this bad. And I don't think they were this bad when they were playing LSU. They had their moments against LSU, but they were, they played better than this. Like, this is embarrassing. Um, shout out to Ole Miss, so Lane Kiffin and that offense, Matt Carroll, um, Elijah Moore, um, 
This is a running back. Ely, very, very talented offense. Um, their tight end really, really broke out um, against Alabama's defense. Um, I really, and I, I was saying, and I was talking to my friend Julia, who was at the game. She's a freshman there, and I was talking to her. I was like, you know, their defense is at least average. They probably get a stop on Alabama, and they probably take the lead at some point. But their defense was horrible, and that's the reason why Ole Miss lost the game. But you know. Lane Kiffin's got a future at Ole Miss, and I think once he starts recruiting better, once he starts recruiting defensive guys overall, I think he's going to have a big emphasis on defense um, for the next uh, recruiting cycle. Like, this is going to be a good defense, hopefully, in the next few years, but this offense is rolling. I mean, rolling. I mean, they can upset a couple teams in the SEC. They almost beat Bama. But Bama's offense with Najee Harris, Mac Jones, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, that offensive line, I mean, that's that's one of the best offenses in college football as well. So I was impressed with Harris, really broke out um, last on Saturday night, um, showing his skills in the passing game as a runner. Like, they just could not tackle Harris. They couldn't bring him down. He, he was always up on his feet whenever – Ole Miss trying to make a play on him. So Najee Harris had a big game, five touchdowns. And, like, after the game, I look at the box score, and I see five touchdowns for Najee Harris. I'm like, that can't be real. Like, I know Max Jones had thrown a couple touchdowns, but I didn't realize Harris was that big of a threat on the ground. So that just goes to show Harris is, like, legit. He he reminds me of a more shiftier um, – Derrick Henry, I don't know if that's a really if that's a fair comp, but like the way Harris runs, um, the power he has, it, it's it's really really nice to see. So, Bama's got a big matchup against Georgia. If Georgia can get that offense rolling against Bama's defense, it's going to be a really really good game. Um, that matchup is going to be basically Bama's offense versus Georgia's defense. So that's going to be the factor in that game. But overall, a really fun weekend in college football. Um, I saw the very end of Florida, Texas A&M. Um, I saw the kick, and, um, you know, Florida's defense is not good. Um, I saw that fake tweet that was going around that Eric and I ended up um, falling for where – Florida's defensive coordinator was supposedly fired. I ended up retweeting that tweet. I was like, oh, dear God, it's a fake fuck. Messed up. But, you know, Florida, they're still a good team. I think Georgia-Florida is still going to be a good game. Um, that off that Florida offense versus that Georgia defense, that's going to be a good, good matchup to watch here in a few weeks. But, yeah, man, it, it was a good weekend in college football, and I really enjoyed it. So, Devin, who do you think are a couple guys that you could see really, like, start to make a name for themselves in terms of draft hype, like, that can really raise their stock this season? Or what have you seen so far? Um, for me, um, one of them uh, is the Ole Miss tight end, Kenny Yaboa. Uh, I think, you know, coming from Temple, uh, he really didn't see the ball too much, especially down the field. 
and he was never really able to showcase his speed or athleticism, you know, in the passing game and how he can create uh, matchup nightmares for teams. And now that he's able, now he's at laying, you know, Kiffin's offense, he's able to do so. You know, he's able to exploit linebackers trying to guard him, safeties trying to come down and, and, you know, make interceptions. And he's really exploiting that matchup opportunity. In every game this season, he's he's produced, you know. Um, so that's to be encouraging for his draft stock. And, you know, a uh, class where, you know, obviously Brevin Jordan, Kyle Pitts, Pat Frymuth are kind of the dominant names. And then kind of behind them, like Hunter Long and some of those other tight ends. Uh, I think that he could potentially sneak into the top five, uh, top seven or eight at the very and, and be a value pick, you know, third, fourth round. Um, so I think that he's definitely helped his draft stock from, you know, a potential day three guy. Now he could potentially be a day two, uh, mid to late day two guy. Um, so I think he's, he's definitely helped his stock. Uh, I would also say, um, you know, Eric Stokes, obviously he's tremendous, tremendously has helped his stock, you know, playing so well, obviously his 2019 tape, you know, he had a lot of flags, very grabby, but you know, now he's looking a lot better. Uh, discipline, uh, has the fundamentals down and he looks really good as a corner for Georgia. So, uh, I think those two guys, obviously both in the SEC, I think both of them are making a name for themselves. Um, trying to think of some other guys, Joseph Asai for Texas, uh, the edge rusher, he's making a name for himself as well. Don't think he gets day one buzz, but I think pro- possibly day two, uh, he could, he could really make some noise on that, on that, um, you know, perspective, playing a new position as well. Uh, so those are a couple guys for me right now are kind of standing out. Uh, still kind of early in the process um, of doing this, but I think those guys as well. And then uh, Virginia Tech uh, offensive tackle uh, Christian Darisaw. He's making some noise in the ACC, uh, play really well. A guy that our, uh, our guy Mike Hernishan has been on since you know earlier in the summer, um, and he's making a name for himself as a you know kind of a second third tier tackle. You know, obviously at the very top, you got uh, Panay Sewell. But, uh, you know, really uh, after that, you know, the, the class kind of up in the air was Samuel Cosme, who was played inconsistently. Um, and some of the other tackles that, you know, are getting some buzz. I think that he will uh, probably be a, a late day two pick, but uh, a steal for a team. The one guy that I was impressed with that I really kept my eye on during uh, Saturday's games was Dorian Kendrick, um, Clemson quarterback. He, he looked rough early on last year, but like once he started to really understand the fundamentals of playing cornerback as a former receiver, he really started looking good, especially later on in the season when he was playing against Ohio State and um, LSU. This season, he looks like a totally different player, um, looking fluid, showing off those ball skills that made him a good receiver coming out uh, coming out of high school and you know he has the traits to really be a good corner he's got to just get the technique down better and I think that'll come with more and more reps as a cornerback so that was the one player I was really really impressed with um, from Saturday guys thank you so much for listening to today's podcast it's good to be back um, back from a week break from last week um, due to academics from me. Um, we'll see you guys next episode. Peace.